0: Everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Go ahead and take a seat and fix your eyes on the screen. Amen, amen. <clears throat> that was a little uh, summary of our sports camp last week. It uh, went really great, uh, rain or not. It went really well, and so uh, it was an awesome time. We saw 24 kids profess to put their faith in Jesus, right, which is Awesome. Uh, Not to mention all the wonderful things that God was doing. Uh, Maybe you're here today because you came to camp last week. I hope you feel welcome, uh, and I hope you learn much about Jesus today. So we had a ton of servant leaders come out. Uh, I don't think Bruce is in this service, but uh, he did a great job leading us, and it was just an incredible week. So thank you to all who participated. Thank you to all who invited people. Thank you to all who served. Uh, The Lord really used it. And the great thing is our Awesome summer camps have only just begun, okay? We have two more actually this summer near the end of July and the beginning of August, a VBS and a STEAM camp, all right? So go ahead and check out our website. You can find the information there. Get on the newsletter. You can also find the information there and and sign up for the next awesome camps uh, where we can have fun and learn about Jesus together. Uh, So today we're going to continue one more kind of little mini series in Ephesians as we work through on being filled with the Holy Spirit to help us discern what that looks like and what that means. Uh, and my goal today is simply to help you. I want to help you. Does anybody need some help this morning? Yes. Okay. You, I need some help. You need some help. And wherever you're from, whatever walk of life, whatever you came in here believing about God, listen, I just want to help each and every one of us uh, in ways that are needed. Yesterday, I was at a track meet forever, right? This is, as I'm learning, this is how track meets go, is you're there for eight hours to watch somebody run for one minute, all right? So it's a great exercise of patience. Well. There's lots of interesting people at track meets and lots of different parents and coaches who operate differently. And I'm more of like the, let's go, come on. There's some people who are really yelling and screaming and jumping up and down. Well, uh, this one guy, and he was standing right at the front and he was a coach. So he had lots of runners. So almost every, every other time he'd have somebody in a race Uh, And his thing was he would yell somebody's name as loud as he could. right, the last one I remember was Hannah. I think that was the last one. Uh, Hannah! And then he would say, you gotta go! Like, what do you think they're doing? What kind of advice is that? They're running, you know? And he would just scream it over for like 10 straight minutes, you know, every time. You gotta go! And he would just yell it as loud as he could from beginning to the end. And he would just do this, and it was just over and over again. This guy's screaming, and he's screaming over everyone else, which is impressive. And he's saying, you gotta go! And I'm sitting there thinking, There's, that's probably not very helpful, I don't think that's very helpful. There are sometimes I've learned, like when they're almost ending, there's some coaches like, pump your arms, don't forget, you know, I'm like, that's useful advice. They, they might forget to pump their arms, you run with your arms too, not just your legs. Uh, and they're tired, so maybe they forgot that. I think the one thing they're all thinking is, I gotta go. I don't think they forgot that part, that would be the one part they remember. I gotta run, I'm supposed to run, I'm here to run, you know. So I'm thinking, this guy, uh, there's lots of things you could say, uh, and maybe he's just a motivational speaker who says things really loud that don't really matter. You know, that's how, uh, hey, so he's, you gotta go, and think that's, that's not very helpful. And I know many times in life, this is some of the ways that maybe it feels like people are talking to us, or some of the advice that we get, or things that happen in life that come from a meaningful place, and they be said with great enthusiasm, uh, but you're like, I'm actually trying to do that already my problem is that I can't do it. You know, it's not that I'm not trying to go. It's that I'm getting tired and keeping going. is difficult. So I don't want to be like that guy this morning. Okay. All right. I'm not going to scream at you and say, you gotta believe. Okay. Even though it's very important. So I want to give you some other, some other thoughts about what would be helpful to your life this morning. How about this? If I offered you more money, would that be helpful? Would anybody say, nah, you know, a little more money wouldn't actually be helpful? No. Even those of you who have more money than you know what to do with, always think we need more. If I offered you more vacation time at work, you know, would that be more helpful? Maybe you think, ah, get a little bit of a break, you know, work is pretty stressful, and if I could have more time off, maybe that would be more helpful. What if I offered you more resources in life? More things that you might need, material things that you might need, uh, people you might need to know. What if I offered you more resources to say, you just have more things at your disposal? Say, well, that would probably be more helpful. What if I offered you more opportunities? Just say, well, you don't like what you're doing, you could do this. Or if you don't like that, you could do this other thing. What? You might say, yeah, I think that would make my life better. I think that would be helpful. All of us have things like that. We walked in here this morning. I wonder what that is for you. What did you come in here this morning thinking you needed more of? Everybody came in here morning. You might not have been consciously thinking about it, but it's in the back of your mind at the very least to say, if only I had more of blank, life would go better. If only this was working out better, life would go better. If only I had a little more money, a little more time, a little more resources, a little more opportunity, a little more health, life would be better. That would be helpful. And listen, these things that I'm mentioning aren't inherently bad, but I want us to understand this morning that they are not our primary source of help. Because even as we see and as we talk about often, these things can be increasing while the quality of our life is decreasing. Right? I could give you more money and you could become more miserable. Right? I could give you more opportunities and then you would quickly realize the grass is not always greener on the other side and you would get disillusioned. These things can be increasing while at the same time the quality of our life is decreasing. And we've all experienced that enough to know that's the truth. So if the things you think you need aren't actually the things that are going to provide the real help that you want, And what are they? This is the question that plagues the human race. If this doesn't help, then what does? The scriptures have the same question. I I love this part about the scriptures, just the reality that oftentimes people in the Bible are asking the same questions you and I ask. They're dealing with the same ways of thinking. They're they're misunderstanding. They're, they're, They're wondering the same things. And there's a part in the scriptures in Psalm 121 where the writer says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. And then he says, where does my help come from? And I think you could resonate with that this morning to say, I lifted my eyes to this. I look to this. I'm looking here and there and <clears throat> I'm wondering where am I going to get help from? And that's what I want to give you this morning. The way the Bible answers it in verse two, he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And my goal is to help you no matter where you may be at in your spiritual journey, whether you're seeking, whether you're unsure, whether you're cynical or whether you're already following Jesus wholeheartedly to help you realize and live out the reality that God is the main source of help that you need. So as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, this is related to the fact that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, we've talked about how you can have more or less power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And this is where your help comes from. If your help comes from God and you can have more or less of the Holy Spirit's power at work on a daily basis, therefore you can have more or less help on a daily basis. And the more you pursue being filled by the Spirit, the more helped you will be. And this is what I want you to understand about what does it look like to continue to walk full of the Holy Spirit, to experience that, to believe that, to receive that, and to live by it so that you can walk in more help, and so that you can actively receive the help of God in a tangible, experiential, life-changing, everyday way. Remember, as we've discussed, the Holy Spirit seals your salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That does not change, but your experience of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and applying to your life the things Jesus already is for you does change. And if you pursue this reality, as we've been talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, as a daily practice, your life will dramatically, dramatically change. So the Holy Spirit is actually called the helper many times in the Bible, and particularly by Jesus. And so I want to show you that if you want help, you have to get help from the helper. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. And this is going to give you the access to the help you actually need that money, resources, opportunity, and good health cannot provide. So I'm going to read four passages about how Jesus himself describes the Holy Spirit as the helper. So go ahead and open your Bible to John 14. Let's go. go. And they're going to be on the screen. You can flip fast. They're all next to each other, but I'm going to read a few sections. Okay, John, these are all things Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Okay, John 14, 16 through 17 says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another, say it with me, helper to be with you forever. Who is this helper? Even the spirit of truth. So the helper is the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's the first one. The next one, John fourteen twenty six. Jesus says, but the, say it with me, helper, who he makes it plain, the Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. John fifteen twenty six. Once again, Jesus says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, who is the helper? The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And finally, John 16, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is really quite remarkable that Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as our helper. God is being described as our helper. Now, this is really quite wild. Isn't God too good to stoop down and be our helper? Isn't it should be the other way around? We are his helper, you know? We serve God, we help him. Not that he helps us. This is quite profound the more you think about the reality that God wants to be your helper. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address a few categories of people in light of that this morning before we get into two specific points. Some of you In this room spend way too much time thinking about how disappointed God is with you that you forget that it is his desire to help you you're always feeling guilty you're always messing up you always feel like you're breaking his rules and he's disappointed like a disappointed father you never measure up you're never doing good enough you just can't get it together and your disposition, even though someone would walk up to you and say, God loves you, and you would say, I know God loves me. However, you really feel at the deep down of your soul that he's quite disappointed with you. He wishes that you would do better and that he hopes you can change. And because you're so focused in, on the fact that you think God is disappointed with you, that you forget how much he loves to help you that his instinct in the midst of your mess is actually to come in and help, not to be disappointed. That God's primarily, uh, primary disposition towards you as his child, if you've put faith in Jesus Christ, is your helper. And so instead of spending so much time thinking about how disappointed God is with your mistakes sinfulness, bad habits, bad decisions, you should re- reorient that and begin to consider how much he loves to help you in the midst of your sins, mistakes, and bad decisions. God is your helper. So some of you are spending too much time thinking about how disappointed God is with you that you forget that he loves and delights to help you. Some of you are spending way too much time trying to help yourself. And because you're so focused on helping yourself, you have not accessed the help God wants to give you. You're spending all your time reading the right things and getting the right skills and overcoming the obstacles in your life and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, all alright This is you uh, achiever types, you know, your threes on the Enneagram, all you different people like this say, I am just gonna make it happen. And because you are spending so much time trying to help yourself, you therefore are not turning to God consistently to receive help from him. And once again, God loves to help you, God wants to help you. God has helped you, but you have to receive and activate that help. And what we're gonna see through the power of the Holy Spirit. So some of you, this is category number two. You're too busy trying to help yourself, trying to overcome the obstacles yourself, trying to read self-help books and get better yourself that you do not access the help God wants to give you. And I will say this probably every sermon for the rest of my life. If you could help yourself, you would have done so already. If it worked, then it would have been fixed. You know, if you could change yourself, you would have done so already. And here you are with me, still stuck. Apparently, that's not working very well. You know, the definition of crazy is you do the same thing over and over again, and you expect different results. Okay, you are not a good helper of yourself. Neither am I. I would say God has much more power and ability to help. So stop being so prideful and release yourself over to God and let him help you. Some of you are in the category of ignoring God altogether. Maybe you walked in here and you don't even believe in God. And that simply is the reality of your life currently. And because of that, you are completely leaving the main source of help for your life on the table. Because you are ignoring God, not believing God, refuse to turn to God, you are leaving the primary source of help for your life on the table. And until you turn to God, you will always be disappointed by the other means that the world provides that do not help you in the way that you need. More money, but you're more miserable. So that's some of you as well. And God wants to invite you to believe and trust in him. Some of you in this room really believe this about God. You really do. But you're way too distracted to take advantage of it. This is more comes down to your schedule and the way you spend your time. Do you believe that God wants to help you? Yes. Do you believe that God desires to be with you and to love you and to help you? Yes. Are you thinking that God's disappointed with you every day? No, you understand his mercy and grace towards you. However, you're too distracted to actually take advantage of the help God wants to give you. You cannot assume it, you have to receive it. And because you are so distracted and unfocused, you're not spending time in the Word of God, you're not spending time in prayer, you're here and there with church, you're not very engaged in the things God wants you to do. And therefore, because you are distracted with life, you are not taking advantage of the active help of God, and you are simply disconnecting yourself from the current, everyday, active help of God. You believe this, but your schedule would say otherwise. And because you're not spending time in God's word, you're not hearing from him. You don't know how he wants to help you. Because you're not spending time in prayer, you're not connecting with him. You're not receiving the help that he wants to give you. Once again, you believe it, but you cannot assume it. You must receive it. And you receive it by practices, being involved in church, reading the word, prayer, service. So that's some of you. And hopefully many of us have been learning even recently that although you're standing with God, as we talked about, is a sure thing in Jesus, your experience of God can vary based on how you live. So being filled with the Spirit as an active pursuit of your life should open up the reality that you can have more of God and everything that he is for you on a daily basis. And hopefully many of you now are hungry to walk in that, to receive that, to have more of God as a real reality in your life every day that's transformative and that changes you and you're hungry for that. My prayer is that that's where we all land today. I wanna to help us press into that. So I'm gonna tell you two ways the Holy Spirit wants to help us and that if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will receive, I'm gonna call it the active help of God, right? God is always helping you in ways you cannot understand and in things that you don't deserve. But there's also a reality that I can, I can take more of the help of God than I currently have in my experience in life. Okay, the first one. The Holy Spirit helps in ways the world cannot. You say, how does the Holy Spirit help me? Well, he helps me in ways the world cannot. And I'll, I'll, I'll be specific in a second, but this is the big category. I think it's very important. When you look at John 14 again, it says the spirit of truth, and then it has this phrase, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. So what we learn about the Holy Spirit now that's essential to this passage is that the work of the Holy Spirit is actually unique and exclusive is not the right word because it's open to everyone, but not everyone receives it. So in a sense, it is a little bit exclusive. Not everybody gets the help of the Holy Spirit. It's unique. You must receive it. And as we're going to talk about, you receive the help from the Holy Spirit, not through being a great person or doing better, but simply by believing in Jesus, his life, death and resurrection for your sins. But I love this phrase. He says, the world cannot receive it. It does not know him. You cannot receive help that you ignore. You cannot receive help from someone that you do not pay attention to. And some of you I know are walking in this room and you have exhausted all of your options And you have gotten to the end of your rope. And I just wonder, when you have exhausted all of your earthly options, would you be willing to consider a heavenly one? If you have exhausted all possibilities of help on the world, do not be despaired or depressed, but consider maybe there is another world and another place that help can come from. You have exhausted all your options on this earth and you have not received the one form of help that is available to you, but only by believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. I think this phrase, whom the world cannot receive, is also significant because for some of you, your hesitancy with God is because there are certain things you cannot receive or have when you choose to follow him. And maybe that's been you, or maybe you're struggling with God as a Christian now because of certain things he does not allow, things that you would like or want that in the end would be bad for you, but you're frustrated that God would not let you have them currently. But I wonder if you've considered the opposite of that, that there are certain things you cannot have or receive if you choose to not follow God. You are so focused on the things you cannot have and receive when you choose to follow God that you haven't considered the things you cannot have or receive if you choose to not follow God. And what if the things that you cannot have if you choose to not follow God are more valuable than the things that you can't have when you choose to not follow God? What is more valuable? What if the things that God offers you are more valuable than the things the world offers you? What if, this is an important question for many of you in the room or watching online, what if in an effort to hold on to something you desire, you reject the very thing, that can fulfill every desire? What if in an effort to hold on to something you desire, you reject the very thing that can satisfy every desire? The very thing that's been holding you back from believing in Jesus is that you can't have certain things when you do. And I wanna flip that for you and to say the very things that you want in the world will not satisfy anyways. And the only way to get something that you really want that you cannot have otherwise is to believe and trust in Jesus. So instead of following Jesus being a limitation on your life, it's actually an invitation to a better life than you could ever imagine. Now, some of you need to apply this to your Christianity to your following of God, your frustrations with certain things the Lord has not placed in your life yet. It could be something as simple as a spouse or a better job or health in your body. And you say, why has the Lord even withheld such things from me currently? Why has he not placed these in my life as I pray for them? Why is this happening? And I want you to turn and flip your mindset To say, well, at the very place that I want something from the world, I must therefore begin to access the very thing I cannot get from the world, which is help from the Holy Spirit. And you dive deep into the reality that only God can satisfy every desire of your soul. What if, in an effort to hold on to something that you desire? And this applies also to your sin struggles to hold on to something that you desire you reject the very thing that can fulfill all of your desires. The world, apart from Jesus, it says, cannot receive the Holy Spirit. And if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you are missing out on life's greatest resource. So what if instead of thinking, if I follow God, I cannot, I want you to consider the opposite to say, if I do not follow God, I cannot. All right, so for some of you, especially my friends maybe here that are not Christians yet, you're watching online, maybe a family member brought you, you came to sports camp, and your phrase goes, If I follow God, I cannot. And the things you cannot do are the things that are preventing you from following Jesus. What if, just for a minute, you've thought a lot about that, you've given that a lot of time. So I want you to consider for a second another way of thinking is to say, If I do not follow God, I cannot. What are the things you may be missing out on if you do not follow God? And these things, as we're going to see from the scriptures, are more valuable than the things you could get in the world if you choose to not follow God. Let me give you an example now. So that's the general principle. The example comes just one verse later, John 14. So he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He will teach you these things. And then verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Look at this phrase, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So now look what he's saying. Jesus is saying, Not as the world gives do I give to you. So what he means is there is something the world cannot give you that only God can. And it's called peace. And you know this by experience. It is impossible for the world by any means that it has to give you peace. It's impossible. This is something money cannot secure because we never have enough. Peace is not something health can provide because our health can always go wrong, even when it's good. Peace is not something the world can give you because even if everything's working out for you, death is still around the corner. If you had everything the world has to offer, you still have to die. Peace is not something the world can give you. It does not exist. It's not an option. And you've exhausted all the potential resources for peace and you've still been left without peace. And and Jesus comes along and says, I give you peace, something that the world cannot give to you. And I think there's two realities to this. One is the daily practice of peace and enjoyment of a disposition of like, even though things might not go well, I will be well. Even if I die, I will live. Even if I don't have what I think I need, God is sufficient for me. Those kinds of, that peace that helps you navigate daily life. But also the most important peace you and I and anybody else needs is peace with God. This is what Jesus provides that the world cannot. The world cannot forgive your sins. The world cannot restore your relationship with God. The world is trying to come up with ways to make you feel better about yourself. The world is trying to come up with religions to deal with how you know things are wrong on the inside, but none of them are working. Only Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, can provide peace because your sins can be forgiven. Who on this earth can redeem all of your regrets? Can you go to a source on this earth that can take everything you've done for bad and promise that they're gonna turn it for good? Is there a place to go where you can find peace that takes you beyond the grave? Is there a resource that you can go to or a person that you can talk to that can get to the very core and bottom of your heart? Is there that kind of peace offered to you? And I submit to you, as you know, that there is not. And Jesus comes to you and says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. How does the world give peace? Well, through retirement savings. How does the world give peace? Well, through relationships. And how does the world give peace? Through secure financial security, through putting gates and locks on houses. And as we know, all of these things have temporal use, but locks can be broken and lives can be ended and relationships can break and retirement savings can empty out. There is no such thing as a sure thing on the earth. You should be very troubled if you are not in Jesus that the peace you have is a facade. And I want to, in a sense, make, make you wiggle in your seat a little bit this morning. You should be uncomfortable. If you think you're gonna be okay because your retirement's okay, or if you think you're gonna be okay because your body's in good health, or if you think you're gonna be okay because you finally found a spouse, or if you think you're gonna be okay because your job is going well and you're being successful, you are being fooled and your life is very precarious because as soon as those things don't work out, you will fall apart. A facade. Only Jesus can give you the peace you need because the main peace you need is with God. So Jesus dies and rises again so that our separation from God because of our sin can be restored and you can have the relationship with God that you are made for. You simply must believe that Jesus died and rose again for you and receive through active participation I repent and I receive what God has for me. God wants you to do that this morning, sitting on your couch, sitting in your seat. The only way for you to ever get the peace you need is to trust in Jesus. I love that Jesus says, my peace I give to you. He doesn't say peace I give to you. This would be like if Jeff Bezos came up and said, my bank account I give to you. You'd be like, that's pretty good. You know, If I was standing here at Jeff, we both said, my bank account I give to you. I think you'd say, No thanks, Pastor Nate. You can just keep on preaching. I don't want any of that. And you'd say, Jeff Bezos, you're my favorite person today. I receive your bank account, all right? This is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying a piece, peace. He's saying, My peace I give to you. You know who's always perfectly at peace? Jesus. You know who knows the future? Jesus. You know who has the power to work all things together according to his plan? Jesus. You know who never gets frustrated? Jesus. Jesus, his peace is perfect. Nobody can mess with it. Nobody can touch it. And he's saying, my peace I give to you, which is not as the world gives. So that's one example of the many ways that the Holy Spirit takes the realities of who Jesus is or what God has done for us and he applies it into our life and if you pursue being filled by the Holy Spirit the help for example of his supernatural peace will be more available and accessible to you on a daily basis you can walk in more peace progressively as you fulfill as you pursue being filled by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit wants to help you And he wants to offer you something the world cannot. And that applies to everything. And peace is an example. Okay, here's the second thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit helps us know and be sensitive to the truth of the most important realities of our lives. This is worth writing down. You know, I usually try to make things rhyme and make it five words, but I couldn't do it with this one, all right? So all these words are important, okay? The Holy Spirit helps us know and be sensitive to the truth of the most important realities of our lives. The example comes from John 16, which is one of the ones I read earlier. I wanna follow the train of thought. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but we'll leave it on the screen. He says, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit gonna do? It says he's gonna convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit is going to convict, which is to Uh, impress upon our hearts to make us hyper aware of these realities on earth sin righteousness and judgment and later in verse 13 it says when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth so the holy spirit helps us know the truth but also be sensitive to or the word here is convicted by the truth So when the Holy Spirit helps us understand sin, righteousness, and judgment, he is helping us understand the most important realities of the universe. The most important thing about your life is not your job status, your relationship status, your health status, the opportunities in front of you, how well the future looks, and how good your finances are. These are not the most important things about your life, but the devil is actively at work to convince you that these are the most important things about your life so that you will dismiss and ignore the real important things about about your life the most important things about your life are these three words sin righteousness and judgment that you and I have sinned, which means we have rebelled against God and chosen our own way. And the Bible tells us that this sin has separated us from God. We are not, as the Bible says, righteous. We do not have the righteousness required to make it into heaven. Heaven is a perfect place and you have to be a perfect person to be there. And I don't think anybody's willing to raise their hand and say, I am perfectly righteous. And so that's the second most important reality. You have sin, and you're not, and I am not righteous. Therefore, the third reality, is we live under judgment, sin, righteousness, and judgment. We live, every human being, under the judgment of God because of our sin and because God is just and he will not let us willfully sin or destroy or even hurt other people. He's not gonna let those things go. God is just. And let me remind you, you want God to be just. If God is not just, lots of people throughout the history of the world are getting away with lots of things. The only way to even have real justice is for there to be a God who executes perfect justice at the end times. That's the only possible option, you know. Otherwise, people like Hitler just die. What is it? What is it? So we want God to be just, but you love it for it. the problem is we want God to be just with Hitler but not with us. I was like, you should take care of that guy. He's a bad guy, but I'm pretty good, you know. Are you perfect? And I ask, say, you know, I'm pretty good though. God's like, well, good, it's not good enough. So you sit under judgment. No matter what you think about yourself, no matter how well you think you're doing, no matter how nice you think you are, no matter how much you compare yourself to others, it doesn't matter. Every single human being, because of one sin, only one, and we have many, sit under the judgment of God. So the most important realities about your life are not your relationship status, job status, health status, future opportunities, financial status, none of that. The most important realities of every human being are sin, righteousness, and judgment. And now the Holy Spirit begins to reveal the truth to us about these things, but also says he convicts us concerning these things, which means he impresses them upon our hearts so that we care about it. This is why you experience, as a Christian, you experience this, this when, you're, when you're stuck in a sinful habit and you're constantly bothered by the fact that you know you're doing something you shouldn't do. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when that is not there, you should be very concerned that your conscience is not bothered by the sin that you commit. God forgives you and he loves you. But if you can sin willfully without being bothered by it, then there's no chance you're a Christian, none. I'm just gonna say it blunt and straight. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness and judgment. Even as Christians and as we believe in him and follow him, he is always bringing us back to him, saying you should stop doing that, don't do that, this is not good for you. And he's convicting us, he's impressing that upon our hearts and saying you you should stop doing that. We had to listen to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, if the most important realities of our life are sin, righteousness, and judgment, what do we do with them? I mean, this is is why the Holy Spirit's job is to bear witness to Jesus. Jesus resolves and takes care of all the main realities of your life. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He lived a perfect life so that he could give you his righteousness, and he received the judgment of God on the cross so you don't have to. So in Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his death on the cross, All of the issues, the main realities of your life, sin, righteousness, and judgment are taken care of and resolved so that you can now walk in freedom and enjoyment of all the things God has in front of you. Jesus is the only solution to the sin, righteousness, and judgment that are the main realities of your life. But so many of you, or maybe watching online as well, have been so distracted to think your financial status, relationship status, job status are all the prime realities of your life when they are not. And you've tried to find solutions for employment, solutions for financial status, solutions for relationship. You've been speed dating. You're trying to find solutions to things that aren't as important while neglecting the solution to the most important thing in your life. You need your sins forgiven and you know it. Don't even sit here and lie to me. You know it. Deep down at the bottom of your soul, you know it. You know it. And Jesus willfully says, I'll help you with that. You need to be perfect. You know you're not good enough. Stop lying to me and yourself. You know it. Come on. You know it. You know you're not good enough. You know it. And that bothers you. It bothers me. And Jesus comes along and says, I'll help you with that. Jesus is good enough. You know that you sit under judgment of some kind. You know that things aren't right. You know that there's something wrong and Jesus comes along and says, I'll help you with that. And the Holy Spirit bears witness to the fact that Jesus is our helper and he guides us into all truth. And so I wanna encourage many of you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As you pursue being filled with the Holy Spirit, you enjoy these realities and they grow in their effectiveness in your life. You may be forgiven, but do you feel it? God may see you as perfect because of Jesus, but is that how you deal with your life? Do you feel like you're still under condemnation and judgment? Are the realities of what Jesus has done for you lived experiences in your life? That's what being filled by the Holy Spirit will do. It will take these truths and it will apply them to your life. And he's going to guide you into the truth. How wonderful it is to know there's a place where you can get the truth. In a world full of fake news and deep fakes, what reliable source will you consult for the truth? And the Holy Spirit says, well, you can't find it here on earth, but you can find it from heaven. And so would you turn to him today? As we close, I'm gonna invite the band up and I just wanna finish reading the Psalm I read in the beginning. So I want you just to close your eyes and meditate on this as the band comes up and then we're gonna sing and pray and respond to the Lord and have a prayer team down front so the question that was asked in the beginning I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from and he says my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth what kind of help does he provide I'm going to finish reading Psalm 121 I want you to receive it by faith he will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil, and he will keep your life. The Lord will be your will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so, God, we lift our eyes to you this morning. our help come from I pray that we would all believe with full hearts this morning that our help comes from you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that He is our helper. We thank you that it is your great desire and delight to help us even in our weakness and sin. We thank you that you're offering your help to us this morning, right now, not later, but right in this moment, you are offering your help to us. And I pray that every single person in this room or watching online would receive the help that you want to give them by faith, that everyone would feel and know they're being actively helped by you. And I pray that we would take advantage of the reality that as we are filled by the Holy Spirit, we can walk in more and more and more of the active help of God. And so now as we sing, would you help us? As we pray, would you help us? As we prepare to leave and go back out into the world, would you help us? And I pray for every soul who walked in here who doesn't know you, who doesn't have the help from God because they don't believe in Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would do what you said, that you would convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that you would not let them dismiss what they really need, that they would be exhausted about every other option they've tried, and that they would turn to Jesus. So we love you and we thank you and we honor you and we worship you. And I pray that every soul in this room would be humble enough now to receive the help you want to give. Whether it's through prayer or through getting down on our knees or through some form of response, Lord, that we would take advantage of what you have to give us. And we love you and we thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Amen, why don't you stand up? There's a prayer team down front.